This is Doug Meyer from Mountain Cat Guitars, and welcome to the Mountain Cat Guitars podcast, episode number three. Today we had our friend Alex Glasser from Iron Horse Instruments over, and we had a really interesting conversation with him. He's uh, He does a lot of restoration work on old Martin and Gibson acoustics. He's a guitar builder. He worked at some really cool places like Santa Cruz Guitars and Griffin Stringed Instruments on the West Coast, and we had a really great conversation. He uh, really knows a lot about old guitars. He brought an old Martin that he's restoring right now, and you can see inside of it and the things that had gone wrong with it. We have learned a lot about it an acoustic guitar and I've been doing this a long time but I found this really interesting especially for people who are budding luthiers or people who want to get into guitar repairs this might be really interesting so we hope you enjoyed the podcast and if you want to find these they are on YouTube and iTunes thank you now here's the podcast this is Doug Meyer from Mountain Cat Guitars, and this is episode number three of the Mountain Cat Guitars podcast. Today we have my good friend Alex Glasser from Iron Horse Instruments in Orangeburg, New York here. And this is Alex. Hi, Alex. Hey, Doug. How are you today? Good. How Welcome are you? to the lounge in Suffer, New York. Thank you. This is your first time here. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a groovy place. And we are in Suffer, New York, which is where Mountain Cat Guitars is. And Alex's shop is in Orangeburg, as I said, which is probably about 20 minutes from here. 20 minutes from here, yeah. And Alex grew up in, this is Rockland County in New York, and I also grew up here. Um, I grew up in New City, New York, and you grew up in New City, New, New, City, New, New York. York. So we grew up in the same town. We didn't know each other because Alex is younger than I am, although we look the same age, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I've been doing the guitar thing for a long time, so is Alex. Alex is a vintage guitar restoration specialist, luthier, um, also a guitar builder and a ukulele builder. Yeah. and all kinds of stuff. But um, Iron Horse Instruments is primarily a place where um, Alex restores and sets up guitars and does a lot of these heavy restorations, as you can see here. There's an old Martin with a neck and a bridge off of it. And Alex is very well known now to do this type of work because there aren't that many guys who do this type of work, especially around here. There are some guys, but you, Alex Doug. is my favorite, of course. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And so um, I'll ask you the first obvious question. How did you get started in the guitar business? Obviously, you were playing a guitar player. Um, okay. I played, sure. I started playing guitar when I was little, like eight years old or so. And maybe in like my later teens, I start, I had, just, I just had one guitar. I had a, a, a Kramer Focus 3000. It was the 80s, I assume. Yes. <laughs> So if I was eight, it was 1988. I was born in 1980. So you just gave away your age. You were born in 80. 80. Jesus. I'm almost I'm 38. I'll be 38 next week. All right, so I am older than you, but okay. So you're eight in 88. Yeah. Okay. And I got this. It's I have it. It's fucking pink. <laughs> Those it's, are the pink years of it's covered. You had a pink guitar. <laughs> yeah, I have it. I still have it. It's a Kramer. It's like a Strat. I remember them. Yeah, with a, with everyone a, had those. With a humbucker and two mm-hmm. single coils, and it had a switch on it that I didn't know what it did. Right, it probably didn't know. It was a doink switch. Or it, no, it was a single coil split. Right, but I I was like eight. <laughs> like this is awesome. I didn't I know, know what this does. And it had a Floyd Rose. It was like the most complicated guitar ever for a kid. To have. I know that was the. If you went to the guitar shops, that was what was there back then. But it said Neptune, New Jersey, so I thought it was cool, even right. though it was made overseas. But they it that still said Neptune there, yeah. and they put them to they whatever they shipped them out of there, or did something. But they were but, cheap because they were made overseas, probably. And I bought it in New City. 
there was oh, a, the guitar works. There was that guitar store. Yeah, I hung out the there corner, all the time. Yeah, right. And then Clark's demo. Mm-hmm. And he was that store was in Pearl River originally because I bought my first acoustic guitar there when he was in Pearl River. Really? And his father, I think, had one of the places on 48th Street, if I remember correctly. And then he opened up in our town in New City. And I hung out there. I remember, like, I, he was, I was one of the first people to get a Floyd Rose put into a Strat. Yeah, that. They had just come out, and he it. did it for me. And I was the first, like, I was into Van Halen like every other kid because they were, when I was in high school, Van Halen was awesome. existed, you know? <laughs> and I got the first Floyd Rose of anyone I knew, you know, like. He put it on? He did, yeah. He was a Floyd Rose dealer. We'd already read about Eddie Van Halen playing Floyd Roses. And I did it to my Strat. I had like a 79 Strat. And I did the Floyd Rose thing. You still have it? No, sadly enough. Like once I moved to New York and I, I had a friend take the Floyd Rose back out and I just used it as a Strat. But I wasn't never really that much of a Strat player later on. So eventually it got traded. You know, all those guitars you wish you kept like when you were young. But you just traded for stuff you wanted. Yeah, you know, like I, I was, kept my Kramer for some reason. Oh, I know why. Because I always... Use that as a guitar to work on later. Right, people I think did that's that. I'd done that to my Strat too. We changed the pickups in it ourselves because my friend knew how to solder. Yeah, you know, we did, did all kinds of disastrous shit to it. But I wish I kept it, of course, because it's like you know, it was, I bought it when I was like fourteen. You know, like it's my first really good guitar, and like, but like you know, I traded it <laughs> for something else I wanted, which I'm sure I traded for something else I wanted, which Thank happens. You. But. So you, I imagine you started tinkering with your guitars. So I, yeah. Uh, so I got that Kramer, and I played the guitar a bit. I sort of stopped playing. I was like a kid, you know. I stopped playing for a while, and then I started playing again, and I got like pretty into it. And then as I got more into it, I, I bought another guitar that was, you know, should have been better, and it started getting, it started to break. It started getting fucked up. It was probably. Because I was messing around with it and it was dry, and <laughs> right. that guitar was just more unstable than the Kramer. Because right. I always try to figure it out what back what happened. Right. So anyway, it eventually made me go to borrow my mom's car in high school and go to the Sam Ash in Jersey. And be like, hey, my guitar I bought here is not, it's messed up. Can you, do, can, like, can you fix a guitar? And they said, yeah, it's 50 bucks. You come back when we'll tell you whatever in a week or something. <laughs> so I come back and I get the guitar and it was better, but it, it like quickly got messed up again and wasn't right. And I didn't want to go back. Right. Because it was, you know. It was Weirded like, out when you're a kid, you feel weird. Like, well, yeah, and they're like, I don't dicks. know if you fixed this right. Yeah, like, get well, out of here. No, and then they're dicks. Like, <laughs> yeah. you go there and you buy the guitar and they're like playing like fucking. <laughs> jerking each other off you know like <laughs> they don't want to help you and they're all like oh, yeah. back then especially store. they weren't very nice to kids especially you know and i bought the, i bought a guitar anyway so it led it basically just kind of led me to trying to figure out like oh okay things break you can adjust stuff on the guitar how do you make adjustments on guitars i can figure this out it didn't right. seem that complicated to me and it seemed interesting to me so I started to dick around with it, and then um, I took lessons from a guy, and he showed he he was like, "Oh, I, I'll set your guitar up for you," and he and he made it better, and I was like, "Wow, he doesn't even he doesn't work on guitars. He doesn't have a repair shop. He made my guitar better." And it anyway, it just encouraged me to like keep fucking around with the guitars there were two I had just basically had two bolt similar guitars two bolt on electric guitars that I would just fuck around with 
started adjusting the trust around adjusting stuff, seeing like what stuff does what. Tuning, I was like scared. Tuning the guitar. As a kid, because I, I started, knew it's like I knew you could fuck the guitar up. Yeah. So like, you know, some people will do it and some people won't. Like I'm not terribly mechanically inclined, but most people who turn into repair guys or even like Jamie who was here last week, you know, the amp guy is the kind of guy who would take apart his toaster. You know, yeah. like, he was just that guy. Seemed, you know, like he'll he'll take things apart to see how they work. So a lot of guitar guys do that, or a lot of people get into it the way you got into it. They're just guitar was fucked up. And then yeah, like, and no seemed, one was fixing it right. Yeah. Like, so so then I so as that happened, I bought I would I I was playing guitar all the time. That's why I was noticing it. So I got guitar whatever some guitar magazine. It's like, like late nineties. So I got like a guitar magazine, and I look in the back. Like I wonder if there's a school or a okay. way to learn how to f- work on the guitar. Because I got like involved enough into it to be to know like. Someone knows how to do this. Right. I gotta find the local guys. Usually weren't all that good. You used to bring your guitar into the shop. Yeah, I didn't want to like, go back to the. My store. guitar doesn't stay in tune. Then they put Grovers on it. Yeah, I didn't want to go back. Yeah, right. And it still wouldn't stay in tune. We get Grovers now. <laughs> yeah, and now <laughs> I like, see... oh, this sucks. I just spent all this money. The same problem. And I see all those guitars, and it's weird. You see like these trends and what people were doing in the repairs later, years later. Like, right. like what? Oh, that yeah, because that was the trend in repair. Right. And I, I see, anyway, not to go off on the side, but I see it all the time. So I, anyway, so I found this school. There was a uh, black and white, like, eighth, small eighth uh, in the guitar page <laughs> in the back of some guitar magazine. Guitar repair school, guitar building school in British Columbia. It was the only thing I saw. <laughs> it was the only thing I saw. Like, it, so, okay, I'm going to British yeah, Columbia. Cause was, <laughs> dude, because it was the only one. And I, I wonder if I missed one, because later... <laughs> I went to, I'll tell you, but like later I went to another guitar building school. And I wonder if I just missed it in the magazine, but I don't think I did. So you I went think to British Columbia? For, yeah, but only for two weeks. <laughs> Why are you On to the island, to Vancouver Island. It was like as far as you could go. <laughs> and like the next was ad awesome. was probably one in New Jersey. Probably. <laughs> yeah, you wind up on the island of British Columbia? On Vancouver Island, Qualcomm Beach. It was called the Summit School of Guitar Repair. It was like 1990. I flew. (laughs) I flew in Canada without a passport, and I think I didn't even have my license. And they like let me do it. It was like they didn't care. So anyway, so I go there. It was cool for two weeks. They were really encouraging. They were like, "You, you, you seem." They were like, "You, you'll be good at this because." You're comfortable on on the machines and with the tooling because my dad's a carpenter and I worked Us, yeah. around my dad yeah, and I worked as an electrician for a little while and I was just Still interested that stuff in helps. stuff and my so um so anyway I went to that school I started fucking around it gave me enough it was two weeks it gave me like enough um, info to sort of feel comfortable a little bit like doing doing like a setup right. and diagnosing like if there's something wrong like electronics but not right. too much more so a couple years later after I finished college my friend and I from college we went we found this school in Phoenix Roberto Van School and I went to that school which was that school is sort of like a college in the sense that it has like two semesters right because two weeks doesn't seem like a long enough yeah, and we were going to go back to the school in Canada because they had longer programs, right. which was cool. Like that, I could choose that two-week program because right. Roberto Venn is like a, was when I went. I think it was 
we had a two week break for holidays, but it was like four and a half months. Right. So it wasn't that like seems so. More so like I was like I was like in yeah. college, and I went to that school at Summit in the in the summer. Right. I just took two weeks off from my job and went, and it was like affordable because it was only two weeks. Is it still there? Yeah. Yeah, and I ran into one, one of the guys that was my teacher because it was only two teachers. I ran into him at one of the guitar repair buildings. He's probably like, holy shit, show. you're a guitar repair guy? He didn't, he didn't It was... He, <laughs> if I get so many kids through those schools. Yeah, totally. Like, he didn't remember. Yeah, you know, it's like an audio school where you have, like, most people who go to audio school never really... I went to Institute of Audio Research in New York. Like, like less than 1% actually more, ever continue to make a career out of yeah. it. Yeah. Because it's just a way to get in your foot in the door of a place. You know, like, right. oh, I went here and I learned a little bit. Now you can go over there and resolder cables for a year. So, you know, like, kind of shit. Yeah, with Roberto Venn, which is cool, is that Roberto Venn is really very good about keeping in contact and and like community um keeping like a community with the students so like roberto vin it's pretty like i hear well, from you could be the poster child for it. i mean you're they have lots you know, of, you there's, a now, lo- there's a lot of alumni that like lawler went to to roberto vin oh is that right yeah. is that how you know him or he was there at a different time he, he was there in the 70s. Oh, that's right. He's, yeah, he's older. Than, yeah. I was there. <laughs> I was, I'm not, that's I'm right. Jason's born. probably older. I was, than here I, am. I was here in 2004. Right. I was but I was, just, younger, I was yeah. just saying, like, the alumni of people that are important. Serious people, right? Yeah. He's the first one that I think of. But there's a lot of other guys. There's a lot. And there's Did a you lot take of a seminar with him on pickup line? Yeah, there at the school. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because he does this seminar. That's So, cool. anyway, that's how I kind of got into it. I went to guitar building school. Roberto Van, um, I got a job at Santa Cruz Guitar right, right after. Then how'd you wind up in California? Because I got a job at Santa Cruz. Oh, you moved out to California to work at Santa Cruz? Yeah, so when I got to guitar building school, I never played acoustic guitar like at all. I had one, a cheap one. And I only, I played electric guitar, I never played acoustic guitar. When I got to guitar building school, I, I, um, I was like, wow, this is cool. So you so when I went we made our instruments first right. two instruments and then you could start a third instrument and then there was a month of repair at the end of the school and it was a little bit like kind of more relaxed a little bit and there was more free time because you could make another instrument right. or and you could do the repair but the repair was like a lot a little bit more relaxed and since I'd like gone to the other school and sort of knew basic repair it was pretty easy for me I worked in a guitar store too for like a little bit of time so. It, the repair stuff was not that it was easy, but for like being in school, it was it was relatively not. It wasn't too time consuming, right? So I had like enough time to make another guitar and to figure out like where what I was trying to do and where I wanted to work. And so what happened was my sister went to college in Santa Cruz. Oh, is there? And we had a cousin from Rockland, but who had who lived out there too, who worked like I think because he was a computer guy. He lives in Rockland again, but. So anyway, I had been to Santa Cruz like once or twice. So I, some of my other friends had gone to work there that were in Roberto Venn before me oh, so that like I had a connection met. In the- yeah, so I had like a friend to stay with, and my sister was there. So I oh. applied for a job there. Tried to get a job there. Tried to get a job there. I tried to get a job at Collins, and I tried to get a job at Goodall when Goodall was in Hawaii, and I got all three of them. You can went to Hawaii. It's cool. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's just I've never been there. It's supposed to be really nice. Mike's been there for several. Times. Yeah, and the Collins fa- and the Collins factory is, it, you know, is, is yeah, and it's awesome. It's supposed right. to, I never been, but it's awesome. And the factory is awesome. That's three through. good choices. Santa Cruz is pretty nice too. Yeah, so yeah. I took the Santa Cruz job because I liked the 
the it's only 15 people that work there. Like, was I it, like the idea. Is it still that of, small or it's bigger now? I think it's probably the same. I don't know. I like the you idea. You always think those companies ha- are so big. Collings is much bigger. Collings is a big company. But, but they also make a lot more instruments. They make electric kind of acoustics. And, and mandolins and ukuleles. Right, now, they, now they're in big, you know, now they're in stores. You know, Santa Cruz, when I first, I mean, Collings, when I first heard them, you know, it was like in the early 90s. That was a small company. They were making yeah. Martin D28 type guitars. Yeah. They were really beautiful. But they weren't in a lot of stores. I think Rudy's in New York had them, and a friend of mine bought and that's how we, he brought it in. We were like, oh my God, listen to this thing. Where I worked later, carried them, and they were one of the first people to carry them. Yeah, the first like things I saw that weren't Martin or Gibson's, like a Collings, like it's a new guitar. Like, you know, like get her to Taylor's, but like it was so good sounding. I remember like, yeah. like, wow, that sounds like an old D28, and it's a new guitar. Like, that's pretty impressive. You know, like, and then these start, they started coming out, you know, but I didn't realize like Santa Cruz, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Santa Cruz isn't. You don't see even tons of stores. You know, I'd never like, heard of it, dude. I didn't know anything about acoustic guitar. What I used to read Acoustic was, Guitar Magazine back in yeah, the day. Yeah, I didn't know That's shit. The, you'd read about them, but you didn't see them in stores. What? Froggy bottom guitars, all those things. Yeah, yeah, you know what happened was I didn't know anything about acoustic guitar really at all. I knew electric guitar. I thought I was going to go like work at like Jackson or right. something, right? <laughs> well, you like or, heavy music, or so do, that makes or sense. Or do like repairs, and then, or work at like Gibson or something, and then... I moved to Phoenix a year before I went to the school, and the kids that I met, like, totally coincidentally, were in Roberto Venn. So I met these kids a year before, and I went to the school, and I met the teachers and stuff. Ah. And I worked in a guitar store in Phoenix, so they... I was, like, familiar with them a little bit, and what happened was the school had sent people to Santa Cruz before, so the school told my friends, oh, Santa Cruz is a good shop, cool et cetera, et cetera. Good, right, right. So my friends told me about it, because I didn't know right. anything. So it wasn't I just random. No, was I didn't know yeah. anything. I didn't know any guitar company except Martin and Gibson, probably, that made acoustic guitar, honestly. Right. Electric guitar, yeah, but acoustic guitar. Yeah, there weren't. Or like the import. Or Yamaha. Or, right. yeah, exactly, or like the imported companies. Yeah, but you didn't go to stores and see anything I else. didn't know any... any you see Alvarez, right. you know. Or, I didn't you know. know one calling Santa Cruz, Hussendall, anything. I didn't know that there were... I, 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 I found that there were small builders, but I didn't know that there were, like, these Medium middle size, builders. Right. Yeah, I knew there were, like, w- individual guys. Yeah, guys in their basements making high-quality guitars. But yeah, or guys in, nice like, shops by themselves. Or right. I knew that, but I didn't know there were, like, these in-between size companies. So yeah. I found out about it from that. So, like, when I started school, I was like, cool, I want to... I, I, once I started and once I kind of, like, worked on the acoustic guitar a bit, I was like, I want to go try to work at one of these places. So that's... Anyway, that's why I kind of like pushed and tried to get a job at Santa Cruz, and because my sister was there, and then like I said, I had a friend or two yeah, that had gotten jobs cool place, there. Right. So I moved there and I worked there for two years. But you were the Finnish guy, no? Yeah, I did. I first I first got hired. So I got hired basically. When I got there, what it was was that I got hired to go into the neck department. So it's like in departments, basically. Oh, you right. have like a so body. over there make the neck, and that you have like makes a, a body box over there. building. Yeah, like a someone box makes building. this and someone makes that. It's not right. the same guy. <laughs> so there was three of us in the neck department, and this guy Scott, who went to Roberto Van, who's a really good guitar builder, Scott Walker. He oh, it's Scott Walker who makes in, electric guitars now. Yeah. So Scott, that's the guitar you really love, the Scott Walker's, uh, the fellow who plays in the yeah, Chris Robinson very band. This, like this is his yeah, it's a really cool guitar. Um, what's his name of the place where Chris Robinson plays the Scott Walker guitar? Yeah, oh, I'm blanking on his name. I love all it. these Neil Casal. He plays the Scott Walker guitar. I, you know, I'm friends with him on like Facebook. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a really good guitar builder, and he he so 
He went to Roberto Vin too. He's a little, I don't know how, he's a little bit older than me. So he went to Roberto Vin. He worked at Santa Cruz. He basically, like, was who hired me. Oh, that was interesting. And it was so he, I could go into the neck department so he could move out of the neck department into more of, like, a foreman for the shop. Oh, that was interesting. So he know. hired me and trained me on my job in the neck department, which was to carve necks, glue fingerboards on, route headstocks, drill tuner holes. Oh, the whole thing. Not the whole thing, but a lot of it. Not the neck fit and not the initial prep, but a lot. So so the end of it. Right. So if you, it's in they three. They hand you something that looks so something like So there's three of us. Yeah, yeah, so there's three of us. So I had the last part. Right. But over a year being in neck, we cross-trained each other a bit. On right. Anyway, you do so, that guy's job if you had to. So Scott trained me so he could go into like a foreman job. Right. And then he then left and started, and then he made those guitars. Right. That's what happened. So he left, I left. So anyway, after like a year of doing neck stuff, I went into the finish department. My other friend, Glenn Nichols, who does a lot of finish stuff, he's good. He, um, he ran the finish department. He was going to move back east. And and there wasn't like a replacement, and nobody wanted to do it. So I started talking. I just t- started talking to Glenn, and I wound up becoming the finish guy. Yeah, it seemed interesting to me. Like I had worked right. there for a year. That's not a bad thing to know, anyway. I'd gotten you. You get doing the doing a similar job every day. You get pretty good at it. So after a year of doing a lot of the same neck job, I was pretty good at like those jobs. Right, and then it's just a job, and you get bored. And so I went in to finish, and I did the finish for a year, and then I left, and I got a job at at, at Griffin. Griffin, right? Yeah, that because Frank Frank and Richard hired me, which is Griffin Stringed Instruments for those of you folks at home who may not know. Yeah, in Palo Alto, which is where Stanford is. Right, Palo Alto is beautiful, right? And a lot of computer stuff is there now. Probably, oh, it was probably there then too. Yeah, I got hired at Griffin at the end of '06. Right, and how long were you there? Till the till 2012. That's a long time. Yeah, five a little about five a little more than five years. So that's where you really learn all this stuff. Yeah, but the the stuff at Santa Cruz was really helpful because what I didn't know later in the repair stuff was that being in the neck department, you learned a lot about neck. Really helped <laughs> me a lot with setting necks, even though I didn't set the necks, but I was there and I well, was. Well, you can see how this is prepared to get into it. Yeah, and I was around it every day, handling handling it. And I mean, I, and I did stuff with the bodies too, but um, it yeah, was. You always wonder, like, how do you learn how to deal with this? <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> that, a lot. You know, that, you know. There's a lot to it. It's sort of simple in a lot of ways, but there's a lot to it. And there's a lot. That you can go wrong, right? Yeah, and there's a lot that can go wrong, and there's a little bit of unpredictability with all of right. it. Right, that's the thing. Like you don't want to pull somebody's you know 1940s Martin apart. That's a 1940 Martin, <laughs> is it? <laughs> that's a good guess. Yes, he didn't tell me that. So I have been doing this for a while. But oh, why don't we just talk about this while we're talking about it? This is super cool. That's a 0018. I don't I have one of these. You have a 21. No, I just at home. I think you worked out. Didn't I buy it from a friend of yours? No, I bought it from someone else. Oh, yes, yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I bought a 50s 0018 from your friend. Yeah, 53. Right. Yeah. Cool guitar. And this, so this is a... That's a 1940, so it's a little earlier. a little bit. This one's beautiful. Yeah, these are such nice guitars. When they're top. all put together. <laughs> the top's really weird. It's really uh, wide, and the, yeah. ang- the angle of the top's real uh, slanted. So that's weird because everyone thinks Martin guitars are perfect and they're these things. And Lots all guitars over time, 
You think it started that way or it became that way? No, that's the way they cut it at the fair when the wood got cut. Right. And what's wrong? Why is this one in pieces? It needs an exit and everything? Oh, it just, so it's interesting story. So, like once or maybe once or twice a year, maybe three, at would be pushing it. I I basically like accidentally get a customer that I think is coming in for repair because I don't sell guitars, and they're just trying to sell like a guitar they've had in their family. Right. So I've bought. Oh, this is the one you bought. Yeah, and I bought uh, another okay. one. I know the story, but you could tell it. Again. There's <laughs> there's two. I bought two of them. So this lady had it in her family, and she she sold me it like about a year ago, um, knowing that it needed a neck reset. It never had any work done to it. Right. It was in good shape, except that bridge was probably going since off. the eighties. The bridge was loose. Right. So for like thirty plus years, just the original bridge is when yeah, you that's for the it. original bridge. So if I can fix the bridge, I'd like to because it's one of the better examples of a Mar- of that era Martin bridge. Does it look not straight? Is that part of the problem? It's not straight at all. Right. So what happened was it was loose this and leaning this way. So oh, it's, so it's super twi- I, it's, it's twisted. It's impossible right. to show, but like that way. Right. I mean, I'm sure you're not seeing this at and home, you can but see it on this the is top. not straight. You can visibly see it. You know, like, that's why I was like. But it's supposed a, to be this way. But. but it's a really, really beautiful example. Of oh yeah, you can bridge. see what's happening. So you are you going to try to finish fix this one? Or if I can fix it, I will. There's little... you can I, I can. There's some stuff to try to flatten it out. But if I have to make a new one, I'll make a new one and this I'll co- or copy it. That's ebony. Yeah, let's like. Yeah, which is cool because later on, it's it's um, it's rosewood on this model. Yeah, that looks like ebony. It's black. Yeah, and later on, it's not. Um, so anyway, I took the neck out. It's a fresh job too. Yeah, it's going to get new frets. It's going to get either a new bridge or have that bridge repaired. I'm going to try to flatten the top out a little bit back here. Yeah, it's basically can. what all these old guitars need. And then this pickguard probably is going to come off and be flattened out and be re-glued to the top. Look how beautiful it is, though. It's so nice. I, I want to these old tortoiseshell pickguards are just incredible. So what happens with the pickguard is that... seeing this at home. The, that pickguard will dry out. Uh, sorry, not dry out. The pickguard shrinks. Shrinks, yeah, it happened on mine. And it goes basically this way. <laughs> so what it does, too, besides for shrinking, is that it pulls. It can the crack wood, the top. Yeah. It can crack this brace here. It's or weird that they didn't brace. know that back then. Or they, they did. Uh, they knew it. They started to know. Yeah, because, you know, like, oh, we can glue these on here, but over time, it's going to shrink. It's going to take wood with it. You know, I guess they weren't forward. They weren't thinking people would have on that long. It They'd didn't have them for 10, tw- 20 years or something. Well, I don't know. They always offered the warranty, though. It didn't show itself horribly until the guitars from the 60s and 70s, till they go to that black. Right. And then everyone, everyone. So if this was a guitar from like 71, this pickguard would be, black. be destroyed. Yeah, we're, we have one back here. That's a black. Yeah, and they just get wrecked. Yeah. So what? So the other. So the big thing too is that if you, is that right here where it cups. It yanks the top here, so it makes the bridge reglue more difficult too. Right, look at that. Yeah. So a lot. Of, so sometimes, so, sometimes just one of the jobs, the only job you have on these guitars, is, is that. to do the, these two. Right. That, like the neck angle. Oh, I never really, really thought that that was what causes this. It took me a long time to realize that this cup had it, that much impact on here. Right, but you can see that's why this is bent right there. 
very after interesting. doing the same, you don't really get to see them like this very often. Yeah. But now it's logical, like because I've seen these repairs, I've seen all them come the in all fucked up, but you don't really know what made them do this, and now you can sort of see it. You know, like it's just it's very all, interesting. It's just everything moving. And you know, like an acoustic guitar, like when you go to the Martin factory, you see someone making acoustic guitars. You realize how much goes into making something like this, as opposed to an electric guitar, which is a slab of wood. Not to put down electric guitar builders, but uh, it's it doesn't have this. You know, you can't put your hand inside of it. You know, like somehow it's got to not collapse over time, and they do collapse. Right, and then time. that sound hole. Right, you have all this tension sitting here. You have a big hole here. This thing's glued into there. This thing's glued on here, and it's going to get over time. This is all going to be moving. I like the sound hole because if it wasn't there, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't have a job fixing guitars. But, right, but you can argue the placement of the sound hole is not perfect. Right, that seems to be the biggest problem. They start to crack here. They start to crack here. This bellies up. This sinks, and this hole happens, and that's why guys like you exist. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and you know we could show some of the guitars behind me. These are all personal guitars of mine that Alex has fully restored at some point or another, and we could go get some of them. This is a 1949 D28, right? Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. That's I yeah, that had some weird... You got it. Yeah, I bought this in Canada years ago. It's a Brazilian Martin. Super it had dope. some weird work. It had some weird work. You know, most of these things have had work, weird work done to them. But this a lot one, of the guitars that have weird work to them sound great. I have this one, one did, now. This one did not sound like this. And that's just my finger, too. It wasn't this loud. It wasn't this bright. And it's the middle of the winter. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it's not. Some it's, it's weird. Some guitars in the middle of winter sound good, and some sound right. Like when we were in Chelsea, guitars in the middle of winter, we'd be like, "Wow, these guitars sound amazing." They're about Sometimes to fall apart. In the middle of summer, you could hear they're holding water. You know, like yeah. they're just they don't sound as crisp. You're saying, and it didn't sound like that. I've mm-hmm. had this guitar for years. This one, I think you next said, I think you refretted it. Yeah, and that new bridge. That's a bridge you built. Yeah, that bridge. You tightened up some sound. You said there was some weird. There was Binding lots of cracks. You can yeah. kind of see them. Well, I thought, but it was a good guitar. I liked it. Okay. You know, there was nothing wrong with it. You know, but it didn't do that. That's the big difference between a fully restored one of these yeah. and one that's okay. I mean, it was a great sounding guitar. You know, Brazilian Rose was loud. I just try to make the guitar be as good as the guitar can right. be. Right, that's really was. You could hear that sound in there, but it wasn't coming out like that. Yeah. You know, now it's fully coming out. Everything's balanced. You know, that's when you like when you hear all the strings really balanced. I can't play that good. But that Oh no, it needs more repair. No. <laughs> yeah, so <it's> a, <laughs> Hopefully. But you know, it's, winters are brutal on these things. You know, if we want to tell the folks at home how they could avoid yeah, having their guitars collapse like these did. You know, mostly it's a humidity issue or a lack of humidity in the winter, and that's what causes them to start to implode. And you, you must have that all the time. I used to have yes. that. People would come and go, oh, my guitar top cracked. I wonder why. And you're like, well, you humidified it, right? And I'm like, I did what now? You know, like, oh my like, God. you got to, like, humidify it. And a lot of people don't know these things. So they're like, oh, but I left it in the case. And you're like, yeah, but that's, you know, it's, it, that doesn't quite do it. My favorite is when they go, I understand all of them. Like, I understand every... Not understanding how to humidify something because I've heard of all until someone teaches you. Like you know, that's why I thought maybe it'd be instructional to tell people because there's a lot of misconceptions about it too. Yeah, like you know whether people are humidifying their guitars at all. Even they're like, oh well, I have uh, my house is is humidified, and you're like, but where do you keep your guitars? Like, oh, in the basement. 
You know, okay. You know, <laughs> like yeah. And on a new structure with a nice ins- basement, it's not as bad. But on like here, right? Like right now, yeah, it's draft. Where the know. house I grew up in, right? Or people leave them near the heater. The heat. Oh <laughs> you know, people don't really think about it, and then their guitar gets fucked up, and then they learn stuff. You know, but so maybe we can save some people. This guitar had completely imploded, which is this was in 1927. We decided, right? Yeah, I think so, or 29, 27? Yeah, or 27. 29 or something, and this is a double O also, even though it's the parlor size little Martin guys. And I've had this one for years, but this one, I, I took really good care of my guitars. Like, I always humidified them in the cases. Like, now I have humidifiers. I but got that big repair that I'll... I took this to you for a long <coughs> I just time, too, right? I used to lend this to my friend Jackson. Had that. Well, I used to lend this to all my friends, but at some point it imploded. It just, yeah. literally, the it strings were just... Here. Yeah, it just... The whole guitar imploded. I just did a D18 from 1970. That's and I took good care of this guitar. I always, you know, I would do the sponge in the case thing, you know, and I was religious about it, but I still had this one implode. And you said there were a lot of issues to begin with. This is, you made this bridge, I could tell. Yeah, it had that weird pickguard on it. It had a weird pickguard. I tried to copy the Prairie Rectal pickguard. I don't know if it looks that good, but... But now, this guitar sounds incredible. I mean, it sounded pretty good right until it was dying, but it never sounded like that. It's incredibly loud now. This way. Yeah, it was never loud like this. I mean, this is a little guitar is way louder than that D28, and they would say the little guitar sounded better, and that they have bigger sound. So they made guitars. that. They made that. That was a big guitar. Right. <laughs> this was. Yeah. They, yeah. One thing. Well, we consider a guitar didn't come out to the 40s. This is. Good. That's a big guitar. Right. And that's not a full size dreadnought. Like when we consider a regular size guitar didn't come out to the 40s. Dreadnought. Dreadnought. This was the 20s. Yeah. The dreadnought. I think the first. The first prototype, first ones are in the teens. Oh, are they really? Yeah, but they're but they're not Martin. The Martin made them, but they're not. They're I think I forgot what they are. Ditson, I can't remember. And then in the thirties, they start making them as under the Martin name. So there's thirties, thirty-three, D twenty-eight. Yeah, D one and D two, and then they changed it to D eighteen, D twenty-eight. Oh, interesting. It's the same thing, though. But first, at first, 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 first one are called D1 and D2. See, I never knew that. Which is D18. It's the same thing, though, and then they make right. it D18 and D28. But I, this one, you did a beautiful job on, too. And this one, again, sounded good, but it never sounded like this. No, that guitar got awesome sounding. That's the best, <laughs> that's the best thing about doing it is, getting, is, like, when you finish the guitar. Basically, every repair I do, I think, takes me too long, and I think... Um, it's like a lot of money. Everything I do, I always think. No I know. Yeah, yeah. But I, every I know time it too. I always feel like every time if I charge the normal price for a guitar, I feel like I'm like charging too much. But I can't. But you can't live on it on what you think the pay. Like my friend just said to me, who's a good guitar repair guy who I work for in California too. He was like, "You can't charge people what you think they're." What you want to get charged for the repair? Right. He's like, you have to charge like what the repair costs. Yeah, or you just right. You know, like that's a lot of people struggle with that in our business because yeah. you don't want to like. Put, I know most of my customers anyway, so Me you don't want to overcharge people. I haven't but taken. A I don't want to charge. I want to give it to them. I like them. You know. <laughs> so you always wind up. I you know like. Just at this point, giving stuff away, basically. Yeah, and at this point, I'm taking in work like six months of the year. Like, I can't, I, I'm not even like taking in work half the year. I know. Well, so, we can get into that too, because there aren't, you know, as far as I know, there aren't that many guys who could do this kind but, of work properly. 
that guitar, the way it's really that's the be- one of the better things about it is that like when you're done with it, you hear that it it changed the way it sounds and then it plays well and then right. you'll play it like the right. like the best things that when people say when you're done is like oh now I can use this guitar or right. now I can gig with this guitar now I can play this old guitar that probably otherwise was yeah. shot because that's why I have like a, I have like a soft spot for really fucked up guitars because you want to. Same and stuff. stuff like this, like too. Like, fuck people, you know? <laughs> yeah, and stuff like this where the value isn't ever going to be extremely high, but it's still an old guitar. Yeah, this is my guitar. I've had it for a long time. bought it for a friend a million years ago. I mean, I really, we lent it to it. All our friends had it at some point or another. And then I looked at it one day and it imploded. I was like, oh, it's Yeah, nuts. it was so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you, you open the case and you're like, what's wrong with that guitar? I'm like, oh, the whole thing is in. The it's, whole neck is gone. Yeah, it was all smushed in here. You know, like, and then you would have people come to the store and be like, look what happened to my guitar. Like, people would get a top crack and they'd be like, my guitar broke in half. And you're like, no, no, it's just a top crack. It's, it happens. It's not the end of the world, but you have a big crack down the face of your guitar and people freak out. Everything you know? breaks with the pull of the strings. Right, because there's so much tension sitting here, pulling here with this giant hole here. You know, it, it's made to implode someday, almost, yeah. unless you really, really know how to care for a guitar. You know, but, you know, I mean, this thing's old. If this is from 1927, it's almost a 100-year-old guitar. Every time I take a guitar out that's, like, one that I own, that I don't play, like, that I, I don't really play any of my guitars, really. When I take a, one of them out in the winter, I'm like, yes, it's not broken. I know. <laughs> yeah, and I remember you humidify a whole room. Well, that's what I mean. And my guitars are all humidified like crazy, but... And you still get excited. In, yeah. Even in the winter, <laughs> This is one of the first ones when I opened the case, I was like... Oh my god, that guitar exploded. Guitars I build, guitars I own, it's like, I'm always thinking they're going to break, even with being... I know, that's the problem. Or the action's going to be all weird all And you had done this one just recently, which this is technically my wife's guitar, although she doesn't play it. Oh yeah, that one had a a long piece of binding, that's right. Yeah, this one is... What did we decide? This is a 72D42. I brought... I can't get up, but I brought the Martin serial numbers to give you... Oh. I thought I was thinking about it since every guitar is a Martin on the but table. this was one too and I also worked I think I just guitar. gave it to you for like a little thing because this was coming off some of the binding but you were like oh this guitar needs a lot of work <laughs> and it did and it sounds a million times but, but I didn't know that I was using it at gigs all the time that's the thing too like right <laughs> no the thing like that's like guitars aren't really usable even when they're broke. Right. Yeah, even when they suck, they're Martin. You know what I just talked about? Like, guy had this big, he nailed the side of D18 here, had a big chunk hole. I fixed it, and he was like, you know what? He's like, I didn't notice that it sounded different. And it had like a huge hole in it. <laughs> well, like Willie Nelson's guitar has a hole in the top of it. Yeah, and it sounds fine. That's fine. Yeah, I you bet know, it buzzes though. He, like, he plugs it into an electric, like an electric amp, you know, like it's his thing. But you know, like Dwight Yoakam had the same thing, where like he, I think he'd gone through the top of his guitar, and he was scared to have a new top put on it because he thought it might not sound the same. Yeah, probably wouldn't. I think he ultimately did. He sent it back to Moore, and it was a Moore. It was like D twenty eight. But I think he ultimately did. But that's why Willie won't do it. Supposedly, is he just doesn't want it to sound any different. And they, you know, like it's understandable. He loves the thing. It's the only thing he plays. I have to do a Nefries on one of those, like. Martin tomorrow. Classicals or whatever they are. Yeah, like tomorrow. It's funny because they're good guitars, but no one ever thinks much of them except Willie Nelson plays well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he doesn't play classicals at all. They weren't a hit. One thing that Martin... Gibson classicals. One thing, good guitars too. Dude, one thing that Martin did not do well is anything except guitars and ukuleles. 
commercially. Well, right, what else did they do? They did those electric guitars. They were odd. The art shops. <laughs> what is M something? There were two versions of it. The Martin electric guitar. Oh, those Martin electric guitars are awesome. <laughs> They're kooky. <laughs> well, if you go to the Martin factory, they were Martin amps. Someone just I never me, saw it in person, but they're oh. someone just told me they have one and it's like one of the best amps they've ever heard. And it's someone that <laughs> and I, a solid state amp, but but I never even knew there was an amp, but if you go to the Martin Factory, there's amps. I've never yeah. saw it in person. And I work for them. I do they're the only company I do work for. Them. <laughs> At least don't do frick the amp. <laughs> um, it was like a big, you know, thing. It was a solid state amp, I think. Everything I ever play that came out of there though is good. It's just it's interesting why like some stuff is like totally not commercially successful at all. Right, well, you know, it's like a... You like know, at all. Like it's weird because Fender could never get tops. an acoustic guitar. Right, but, same thing. Like Fender but Gibson could. Like, how can Gibson can have a fa- an acoustic and an electric? The Fender's not one. allowed to. They're the only one. And but then, they all put out those weird Fender acoustics, the Catalina, the things with the metal things. <laughs> Catalina Y-Mixer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Alex and I share a love for the movie Step Brothers, so if any... Step Brothers fans out of here, you'll you understand the Catalina wine mixer reference. That is a guitar, though. <laughs> we had one. That was what it was called, right? It was Palomino. Yeah. There's the ones that Elvis was always, you know, using them in the air. But you never saw anyone use one for real. No, they weigh a million pounds, I think, from they're what weird. I remember. And there's a 12 string, a villager, I think. Yeah, they're all like. And it's weird. always all fucked up. Yeah, they're always broken. <laughs> it's like a like an electric 12 string neck just jammed into yeah. an acoustic guitar body. Yeah. And they, but they sound kind of cool. But just note, like, they're always, like, so unintonated, like... But they would come to Chelsea all the time. You would find those things. You know, like, they look like the, like, Coronados, but, like, they're like that. They're like guitars that you can just be like, no, you just have to play it. That's, like, what we were talking about. Like, no, you don't get to fix these. Yeah, don't even bother fixing it. Just play it, right? If it breaks, it breaks. (laughs) Yeah, like, just forget it. It's fine. It looks cool. Use it in your video. But, like, they're like... But like that's what they mostly were. They were on the. They like, are cool. Though. Like Elvis, it was taking the picture with it, but you never saw him playing it at a gig. And some, <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, honestly, I don't know anything about them really. Like I don't even know. Did they make them at the electric factory? Yet? I don't know. When, I, I assume, don't know anything about them. I assume they wanted to be like, hey, Gibson has an acoustic guitar. I know when I lived. In How come Phoenix? we don't have an acoustic guitar? Right. I know when bullshit. I lived in Phoenix, I would see them a little bit. I never see them out here really. You used to see them in the city. Chelsea guitars, we'd always get them. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't. They were always a little screwed up and like. I think because I'm like hard to find, I get. They probably, you probably find a lot of them in California. I don't know how many they sold back then. I don't even know if they were expensive or not. But no idea. You mostly just see them in ads. You see them in all the ads for some reason. They were really like pushing the. They did a lot of weird things. They did some really strange amps. You know, they did all the solid state amps like Fender. Yeah, all those companies were trying to, you know, keep with the times. You know, like, you know, that's you know, so they did like weird shit like those acoustics. You know, like. Remember they made that like they made like a uh, yeah totally yeah but Martin didn't so much do that but they did make the electric guitar and they made the weird amp yeah like, and so they, and they made those arch tops and back in the day right. that and and it's interesting because they that's right they made they arch bombed. tops and they didn't do well and it, now like what people used to do is they would find the old arch tops and put flat tops on them and they turn into they turn it into the they M. turn into that basically they turn it into the M. Right. The exactly. M36. Which the is M3. a very valuable guitar. We did that conversion a couple times. I have one. Guess what I, I have to work on when I go back to the shop? That guitar? Yes. Wow. A 70s one. So in the 70s, they started making it. Like in the city, Umanoff, put, they did them. They right. put the tops on them. They converted them. People right. still do them. We used to do it. Yeah, like yeah, it, people, it turns people, into a super-duper flat top. People still convert them. An arch, but the arch top, I remember we got one and so, someone converted it. But I played yeah. it when it was still at an arch top. And you're like... 
So this is awesome, but it's an arch top. Yeah. Know, like, unless you're going to play an arch top, it's not what you want. Right. But if you want to play a flat picking thing, you put a flat top on it. I, you have a, I, I, I did a neck reset on an on a, a, a old one, like an early, early one that had a beautiful set of rosewood. Right. Yeah, they were, yeah the Brazilian rosewood happened most of the time because they're old. And it had bar frat. It's, uh, it's difficult. It was, it was a difficult turn to work on, but it was really good. And, and I thought it was, I mean, it's an art shop guitar, but I thought it was a really good guitar. But I think that from what I know, too, that the, that the early ones were the ones that were really good, and then the later ones, which is not a huge right. span, but it's not like you're talking about a huge span of that years. That happens, something changes or something. But you're not even talking about a big span of years. So let's talk about, so after you worked at Griffin, you decided to move back here and open your own place. Yeah, so I worked at Griffin for like five years. Towards the end of me working there, I wanted to move back. And Griffin's a guitar store. It's not. It's a Santa store. Cruz. Guitar is a store, so you were the repair guy. It's a store in the front, and then a, a, a small but very good repair shop in the back. back. Right, serious good repairs, restorations on these kind of things. There was six benches, so there was usually like two to a lot of repair five guys working. Oh, it's a lot. There always was at least one or two people there. A lot of, most days there was like four or five. Oh, of serious us. repair place. And then Frank... Ford was my the who ran the repair department, and then Richard Johnson owned the um, is runs kind of the. That's still there. It's all the yeah, it's all still there, and so anyway, Frank hired me and taught me all this stuff, and the, and and then a friend uh, guy that I worked with who who brought, his name is Brian Michael. He went to the school a few years before me. He there's a lot of people me. go to that school. Yeah, another guy that we worked with, Ben Redwood, he went to the school, and he started about a year after I did, and he worked with me through most of the time we were there. Um, and then Michi Matsuda worked with us, who's a really good acoustic guitar builder. This is old Yeah, he it's worked with us stuff. one day. He only worked with us one day a week, and then he built the full... He's a full-time builder. But he worked with us one day a week, and then a couple other people. And, and it was just... I learned, like, so much about how to do the work. When you work in a store, it's different because I work, deal with repair guys. You can tell when guys work in a store or when they just kind of work or so didn't because guys who work in stores, first of all, you have to move fast because you just have to. They need yeah. to make money. So there's a speed element to it. Like yeah, when you have a guy coming over who like, you know, I've had repair guys at my place and like, you could tell like Matthew works in my place now. You could tell he worked in a store because he moves quickly it and was, you have to, you can't spend all day on a garden polish because you're not making the place any money. You know, how much do you get paid today and how much did that job cost? You right. Know? So you, there's a speed element and there's a, just a get shit done element. So <laughs> you know, like, what was nice about there was that since we were buying, they were buying and selling all these really, you know, some normal guitars, but some big deal guitars, right. some really old guitars. You know, Frank's like a specialist on some of these repairs and then Richard's a historian on it. He, so... We Seriously. get a lot of Six, shit in yeah. there, and it doesn't necessarily mean that I got to work on it early on, but later on, yeah. You did, right. That's and, the and only I got way to, to learn, be around right. it, and I got to be around a lot of history and right. really learn a well, that's lot. That's how I, I worked at Chelsea Guitars for those years. So, without that, you can go on the internet and yeah, look at a bunch you have of shit. To be around but when you're touching this shit every day, and I talk, you know, yeah. like, when you're looking at it every day, and there's people there telling you what you need to know about this particular, oh, check this out. You, you need to know this about this kind of guitar. And you're like, oh, cool. There's no right. really substitute for that. Yeah, you I didn't know, need like, to go into a book. I needed to ask my boss. Or we looked in a book together. Right. We had the Gruden book back then. We, that's where we got to have our information. But there were always guys coming in that you knew, like, oh, you know, he'll be in tomorrow. This guy will come in. He'll tell us. You know, like, because you never, there's so exactly. many variations on so many things. You're like, 
This is a 66, yeah. but like, why does it have that? And they go, yeah. well, they just did exactly. that. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. a big thing that I miss about that's, it. Me we too, about like, being in a store. It's like, literally, you're in, you're in vintage guitars every single day. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. now I don't do it quite as much. I do boutique stuff more, and I do vintage stuff, but you were learning stuff daily, like, right. for 10 years. You know, right. And you still didn't know shit. Totally. <laughs> I always am learning stuff. Like, there was stuff on this guitar when I pulled it apart, and this is not the first time I pulled apart a Martin from 1940. Right. He did mine. <laughs> like, so there was stuff that I, you know, the tooling that they used is different. Right. That's why. The way that the, the, the way that they glued parts together. Yeah, that shit was constantly changing. That's why people like, you know, you know, people go like, oh, they never did this in 66. And you'd be like. It's not always accurate. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they have? You know, like, they just did whatever they did to finish And the main guitar. thing that you need to always remember is that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter yeah it's romantic it's a guitar it's this and that it it was made in a factory yeah I was trying to say that like people like the people who made the BAFs or whatever that guy was going to a job and wanted to get out of there for the weekend I'm working on magic you know it's just like I'm getting out of here fucking fine I just just, literally yesterday this guy that I know he picked up his SG he just got one 1962 it's a Les Paul SG one pickup, but it's SG. It still says Les Paul. It's very early. 62. I love this. Craig has one of those. Yeah, because the pot, 62 and it still says Les Paul. Yeah, it's early. It says because the pot says 6202. Right. No, they went into 62 for sure. So he picked it up. His dad worked. His dad worked for like all um, for this electronic company, and a big thing was that they were one of the. They had like a big part with the bumblebee caps. And he and he's like, oh, me and my dad are talking about it. And my dad's like, yeah, I we used to sell them. Like I worked there. And then he's like, those were like shitty. <laughs> well, there's all, yeah, another one of those things like the PAFs, like the bubble right? caps. Like, and we went through this. Re- I went through this recently. And then they're we buying. Do, they're just trying to buy stuff that they can afford that they can make right. money on. But not because they're dicks, because they need to make a living. If you take old bumblebees and put them in a guitar, they sound different. <laughs> like, and you know, I talked to Adam from Satellite and all these guys, and we do Les Paul makeovers. So you're always getting into this. Like, should I buy old bumblebees or new bumblebees? That wasn't even. To, yeah, that was just. You know, and then it's this whole thing. Like, does it sound different? Why is it? Does it sound different? Is it old? It's old. Did it sound different then? The it's values so have now drifted. You know, it's all this like crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And it comes to the, there's the third podcast we've talked about it on every single one of them because no one knows the answers to these no. things. You know, like, and I think it's that's the one common thing we've decided on the Mountain Cat you podcast. You know why? Because you have to, because you, because it's sound and it's the way we hear. Well, it's stuff. subjective too. Some it's people go, "I love this sound. That guitar sucks." Right. So if you could do that, right? When I'm done with this it? guitar, someone will love it. And someone right. will like it, and someone won't care. Right. And someone will think the action's perfect, and someone right. will think it's too low, and someone will think it's too high. Right. If it's all that. And it'll be the same fucking right. guitar. That's why these things become, like, mysticized. Is that a word? No. Mystified. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it all becomes, like, this mystical magic. Like, how did Hendrix sound like that? You know, like, awesome. Because he was really good, right? <laughs> he practiced a lot of shit. Because he was better than everybody ever. Right. But, you know, you had, had that sound happen, and people try to figure it out, but it's like trying to figure out if there's a Bigfoot. You know, that was me and Jamie's joke. Is like, you know, half the stuff is Bigfoot. Is like there Aaron a Bigfoot? I don't... Right. You know, like, maybe there's... You know, it's, it's the same thing, and that's what's fun about it. And that's why you yeah. can still have this conversation and talk about like why did these Martin sound so right. good I'm looking inside of it I'm looking for magic there's a lot you of know. stuff that I see that you, you know you can say yeah that has a lot to do with why well, it well then acoustic good. guitar is different than electric guitar because electric guitar 
I keep saying, but it's like it's a piece of wood. It's got pickups on it, so it's not the same thing. You can't make an acoustic guitar in a shitty, fucked up, cheap way, and it's well, they could sound cool, but they won't sound like this. You know, this has to be made by a guy who knows what he's doing, or it's gonna fall apart anyway. I don't even know how you'd build it. You know, if you didn't know how to make an acoustic guitar, where you can make an electric guitar, you know, you can get a piece of wood cut it into the shape of an electric guitar and if you could drill some channels you can make a guitar yeah you know you don't you probably just buy the neck or something but like you know to make this thing like this you have to have some knowledge of how to make something that dude we can make a one string guitar on one of these beams right now <laughs> in like two minutes yeah but you know this is a different <laughs> thing you know like so it, you can almost see like why an acoustic guitar would sound good you know, like, or as opposed to one that doesn't, they don't know how to yeah, no, you're vibrate. Right. This is something that vibrates, you know, like, you know, like the things with electric guitar, you're like creating. you play very cheap electric guitars that sound good, yeah. but you very rarely play a cheap, you, know, you can play some expensive Yamahas can sound good, but they don't sound like this. They don't you're have right. that full sound. They don't have that bass. They don't have that clarity. They just don't. And I find when, I find that a more, I find that when you play stuff on each end, right? I feel like there's a really good middle ground of instruments. That's great, yeah. Alvarez is no, like there could be no greatest. more guitars made for a really long time. We would be fine, right? <laughs> when something's really shitty, you know it's really shitty, right? And when something's really good, you really know that it's really good. You really can hear it. You can really right. say. And I remember these few instruments here and there that are that did it for you yeah right I mean, that was a J200 at Chelsea I can still remember the way it sounds right. and this was 20 years ago just strumming you're like they're few oh and far between but, right. you, but like when when they happen and and one time I had it happen with Frank who I worked for where I was like okay it's not just me right. he would never really play guitar he's right. a repair like guru <laughs> like and he wouldn't play that much. He can play guitar, but he wouldn't play that much. You know, he would do the repair, done, right. plays, whatever. It was like one of these guitars. It was a big deal. It was like a big D twenty eight, early mid. You know, one of the early, early, right. early ones. It was a big deal. We were repairing it. It was like big money. Right. And so when stuff comes in like that, you would say, "You're judging it, right? Right. You want to check it. You out. You have to judge it, right? Right. Like, why is it worth?" Why is it? Why is it that much money? Why? Well, what's the thing when, what's so special? When you about really it? spend time with all these guitars instead of just reading about them. Like what? It becomes a different thing because some you could see. Oh, I could see why this is a thing. Dude, he you played know, like, one chord. He yeah, was sitting yeah, down open with up. his <laughs> back with his back to me, and, and I was like, like, "Whoa!" I was like, "What the fuck?" Was yeah, that? that would happen to Chelsea. Like, you just take out a guitar and be like, "Oh my god, why does this sound like this?" It's a fifty-two telly, you know, like. And then you'd pick up, you know, a 52, different 52 Telly didn't do it. So you're yep. like, okay, they're not all good, but no. they tend to be good because yeah. of a lot of reasons. But they're not all magical. Like, bursts aren't all amazing. But they're, no. by and large, they were, there was a period where they were making great guitars. This was made by people who were doing really great guitars. There was a bunch of stuff. We don't know why it's so great. Dude. But they were good guitars. And then you don't find that in the 70s because, for a lot of reasons, they were not the same guitar. It was not the same people making them. It was a much bigger corporation that owned it, and they just were doing things that we now know are wrong. But some of them still sound really good. Seventy four, less Paul Cups. You find like sometimes they're heavy. Yeah, but I just they could sound good. I just said a seventy. It was awesome. Right, seventy's still good. Once you get into like 75, 79, they seventy five, seventy nine, seventy Goldtop, so I really, it was really good. I yeah. mean, it needed a shitload of work, and it got refret. Right, because they had little frets. And that but, makes a huge difference. Yeah, and even if you suck at doing refrets, it makes it's a huge still difference. better. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying like, oh, because I did it. Right, no, it makes a huge... A lot of people don't know that. You know, that you know, like, people bring in guitars to me all the time. They're like, oh, my guitar plays There's are a bad. Real and you're small... like, well, your frets are kind of like all flattened and they're 
they're gone basically. I and yeah. it can't work right. It, it'll never have that sound. I have a strong opinion on how I want the fritz to be, but I also have don't you know never want to push people doing. Well, you could feel weird, but you go more like work. Well, like I could set up your guitar, but. But you need new frets. So to set it up, almost you so I can make it better. But you, but you need new frets, and it's not a cheap job. No. But. No, it takes me forever. Yeah, and it's not. But it's, you know, it's like when your car needs a new engine. It needs a new engine. You yeah. know, like you can't drive it with the old engine. I, you know, it, it may drive for a while longer, but it, it's not going to work right. It's going to break down someplace. Yeah, and I think it's a shame in some ways that there's a lot of. I see why there is, but I think it's a shame that there's a lot of resistance to people using like different, like stainless steel, fret wire, or and what's your opinion on that? Because I, I don't really have as much experience. I'm sure you've done a lot of stainless steel refrets. Yeah, I'll tell you everything I know about it. What's your opinion on that? Because I hear all kinds of things, and I have an opinion. But what's yours? I have some things that I okay. I don't know if it's my opinion. First thing is that it doesn't break your tools <laughs> I've heard that <laughs> that's the first thing that I hear people saying it I've doesn't break one. your tools it's okay followed by there's different kinds of stainless steel oh is that right yes well so you get your car your fresh so not every piece of stainless steel even from the same company is the same oh is that right yeah. Oh, so maybe one kind did break some guy's tools. There's different magnetic properties to the stainless steel. Ah. There's okay. lots of different stuff with it. So anyway, I I like it. I like it on electric guitar. Um, so I know people who got stainless steel refrets on their electric guitar and hated the sound and had them taken out. It's harder against your hand. Right. So that might be something that you don't like. You know right. what I mean? Like you might not like the feel of that. But it, but it, but it, it is. It's harder against your hand. But in some ways, it's like you make very good contact because right, because the material is hard, strong, right? And then another thing that I heard, which I found to be the opposite, was that people say that their strings wear out really fast. But I found honestly the opposite that I feel like the guitars that I have stainless steel, my strings last even longer. So go figure. And I've talked to people about it too, like just customers and and other people. And I found that the majority of people agree, actually, with that, that your strings do last longer. You would, it would make sense that they would. And to go back to, I was talking about stainless steel, is that how, I'm, how I got in touch with you when I first met you was from Jeff Sol, Just, right. from Jesscar. Well, we can tell that story. You know, I had Mountain Cat guitars. That was, you know, maybe four years into it. And I'm here in Rockland County, and um, Jesscar frets is in Rockland County, New York, where we are. Or, well, it isn't. That's a German company. But um, where they're sold is in Rockland County by a guy named Jeff Silver, who's very cool. And I guess you would come back and needed some frets. And yeah, I came back and found, I went up there real quick after I moved back. Yeah, and he told you about me. And I remember me and Craig. Craig was our, my old repair guy and buddy um, before Matthew. Um, and you called. You were just like, hey, I'm opening a guitar repair shop near you. And we're like, cool. Why don't you come over? And you're like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I remember I had like two tools. I had like nothing in the shop. I remember I remember it was like empty. And well, I, that's and what me and Craig were when we started. We had two guitars and a broken amp. <laughs> we were like, we are a guitar business. You I know? bought a toolbox and I made a workbench. That was the first two things. Yeah, I you got to start someplace. But I was like, oh, you're opening a guitar repair place near us. Cool. Come on over. You know, like, great. You know, like, and then 
you know, your thing is, you know, you basically, you really pick up where we leave off. You know, I have a repair shop at my place, and we do mostly setups. I keep it to keep all the guitars in the shop. We do customer repairs, but mostly all of my guitars that I sell need to be set up on the way in and the way out. And that's why I keep a repair tech. I have a fellow named Matt Favada who's awesome. Um, and But we do set up to electronics, and we do, you know, fret work, but not fret jobs. And that's basically where you start. You know, like, even though you do setups and things, I mean, you prefer not to, because you're much more of a this kind of job, and we don't do this job, so. I actually really like doing it, because it's cool, and it's, like, rewarding to fix something that's almost, like, shitty, and now it's really good, but it, it gets, like. Well, yeah, tricky. when you have these kind of jobs on the bench, and you have to. They're really time-consuming. Yeah, and then you got to, oh, I'll do a setup, I guess it's cool, but you got to meet with the person twice. You have a buy appointment only in business, like I do, so it takes time, and then you're just doing and a up. <laughs> You're really not compared to most of the guys who could do this. But, you know, we're getting near our end of our time because this goes really fast. We're already past an hour, believe it or not. So my wife came up with this idea. I always got to give my wife credit for this. It was actually her idea to do a podcast. Um, so she's getting some type of credit on this executive producer or something. So I haven't come up with her title. But we have five questions I want to ask everybody who's on um, the podcast, which I've should find it interesting, but it keeps it consistent, and I can't say what anybody else's <laughs> answers were. Um, oh, no, I don't know. Well, you sort of answered it a little bit, but um, the first question is, what were you doing before you got into guitars? But you were pretty young when you got into this. But you um, said you were an electrician and things like that? Yeah, I was a carpenter, and I was an electrician. I worked in a pizza place. Did you? Which yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, Donato's. In New City? Yeah. <laughs> in Naples. <laughs> uh, I, I worked in a kitchen. I worked in a bunch of kitchens. I did uh, that. I, I substitute taught. <laughs> what school? That was the last thing I did before I worked on guitars. Really? In Phoenix, yeah. I lived in Phoenix and I substitute taught for like a half a school year. I painted houses. I did all sorts of shit. Uh, I never knew you were stuff substitute. I can't You always talk learn about. stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I did a couple of those things. Well, there. So, uh, no, yeah. Substitute also, teacher never knew that. But I was really into trying to get to where I could work on guitars right. for. Probably from when I was like nineteen until right. I till I was like twenty four. When I once I got in, once I started Rotovin, I never had a different non guitar job. Right. So from when I was like nineteen to twenty four, I was like you in do all school, the doing jobs, everything yeah. to get myself to where I could go to. Yeah, guitar I had some really school. dumb jobs, you know, until yeah. I finally got a job. I assessed guitar. houses when they did when they tried to reassess all the houses in Rockland County. Oh, that's right. You tell me you did that. You went door to door. That was awesome. <laughs> All sorts of shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with stupid jobs. Are, um, here's a good one. Well, this uh, is something different, but what kind of, what are you listening to these days? Oh. Uh, you listen, listen to heavy music. You play yeah, heavy music, right? I listen to, yeah. Because you restore to... old acoustic guitars, but you don't play old acoustic guitar music. Uh, I'm into some of it. <laughs> I, I try to, but I'm terrible at it. I like, like, some old acoustic guitar music. I like. But you're primarily a heavy music and, guy. And, and you like play in a band, steel right? string. No. Or you were recently. A little bit, maybe. I play in, <laughs> I play in, uh, I like, like, old steel guitar and old acoustic guitar, though, too. So, like, I right. like a lot of, like, old blues, like, Sunhouse. And yeah. It's hard to play that stuff. Fred McDowell a little later and, and every, anyone blind. Yeah, the blind people are good. I don't know why that is. Um, Boy, McTell, but I listen Jackson, to I listen to a lot of that. Blake. And then, yeah, <laughs> I listen to a lot of that. I listen to a lot of like Blind Jefferson. I listen to a lot of Rush. Well, the Holy Trinity and Led Zeppelin <laughs> and Hendrix and a lot of metal, yeah, a lot of Oxbow. Yeah, so um, I knew there was a metal thing in there someplace. 
a lot of uh, comedy. David Tell. I work by myself, so it gets weird. <laughs> yeah, I listen to some weird shit, too. I listen to a lot of indie music. But... Yeah, it gets weird. I listen to a lot of Michael Jackson. That's weird. The first record I ever had was Michael Jackson. It was Thriller. Well, that was normal. Yeah. That was the record when you were young, probably. So, that was about the biggest record in the world. You yeah. Know? Every kid probably had And it. I was scared of the laugh at the end of it, of Vincent Price. It was scary. <laughs> I was so scared of it. <laughs> that video was scary, actually. Um, if you were not doing guitars, what would you be doing? Oh, that's a good question. Jamie had a good answer, and it was logical. I think I would be a teacher. I can see that. Um, You'd be like the cool teacher. Or I think I would try to be like Anthony Bourdain or somebody like that. Cook? Like, no, like, just go. <laughs> I just go places? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with cooking. <laughs> I mean, I would eat. <laughs> right, just that, like, be like Anthony Bourdain if just you didn't cook. somebody <laughs> that does just something where you, like, travel over and just and get just weird. And just do stuff. I always think I, I probably couldn't handle it, but I would maybe something like that. But That's... Or if I or probably just yeah, would probably realistically be a teacher. <laughs> yeah, the Anthony Bourdain without the cooking is like, probably, or maybe I would be, be a like Hendrix because we didn't play guitar. He's I'm like be, a regular guy. <laughs> I might be a carpenter. I probably would have been a carpenter too, <laughs> like my dad and my brother. <laughs> yeah, that's generally what happens. Oh, here's an interesting one. What is one thing most people do not know about Alex Glasser? Oh my god! <laughs> and you don't have to answer it <laughs> if you're not prepared. That I love horror movies? Is that a good one? Well, you can tell by what you have on, <laughs> if you don't mind showing any of those. Well, Alex and I share a tattoo artist, because we're friends, and we're friends with our tattoo artist named Jen, and she's awesome. She has a place called Monarch Tattoo. You want to yeah. show that? Oh, she's sure. incredible. We wanted to show Jen's work, because we just love Jen. I don't know if you could zoom in on that, but we both have lots of Jen's tattoos. You have more than I do. Yeah. Way more. <laughs> you have all of them that you like. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. I love. I like tattoos, and some of your sure. things are horror movie inspired. Yeah, big time. And I like horror movies, and that's a good one, right? That's a good one. Very I like one. to cook. Is that a good one? I didn't know that. I like to cook. So does Jamie. Well, that was Jamie's Jamie answer. Jamie loves to cook. Right? He said if he wasn't doing this, he would have a barbecue joint. Probably. Yeah, he but, would have a barbecue joint. Yeah, I would. I would work. Okay, can I add that as a possibility? <laughs> You could cheat. That I could work, me and Jamie could have a barbecue place. That'd be perfect. I have to ask him. You guys should have it, and then you could bring your amps there and your guitars there. Yeah. Not a bad idea. No, it's not. So we should, I should close Mountain Cat. We, we all talked about getting a place all together once. Yeah, why, maybe Why wouldn't it be a guitar place with barbecue? No one does that, right? No. We shouldn't give away these ideas. Dude, uh, I bet... <laughs> I, I bet I bet all the barbecue grease I could use instead of mineral oil for the fingerboards and stuff. Right. Well, that's that thing they say like duck done put oh. you know barbecue sauce on his strings and like I don't really think that's true. I think probably something I where he ate some barbecue and it got on his strings and that's why he sounded so funky. But then it morphed into duck done would put barbecue sauce on his <laughs> strings. I used to hear that. I was like, there's no fucking way he did that. I don't believe it. I've Maybe he did, but I don't think so. I've definitely seen food eaten off of a guitar like a plate many times, and not by me. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, I won't I say saw my son use a bicycle as a weapon. <laughs> it's yeah. like a, <laughs> it's I really have, though. I've seen like the guitar many times been used as a plate for a sandwich. 
<laughs> well, I have like a cutting board some guitar maker made me, you know, like it's a guitar cutting board, but that's taking it to another level. I have a towel, my towel dispenser I made out of some wood. Yeah, well, we mostly got on this kick of buying everything that we need to use it being guitar shaped. So our spatula is guitar shaped, and our I have a flying V grater. Is your bad at guitar? None of it's it's none of it's good at it. You know, it's, it's shaped like guitars. But it's like no, guitars are terrible ever. shape. It makes no sense at all. <laughs> it's so stupid. I didn't need a grater shaped like a flying V, but it looks cool. It makes me feel good when I use it. But no, it's not good at but if you had a grating. car that was shaped like a flying V, it'd be it'd cool. Be cool. <laughs> right. Everything should be shaped like a flying V. And here is the last of the five questions. Um, What's on the horizon for Alex Glasser? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Like you, you're a bit guitar builder, too. You just don't build as much because you do that. I don't build because the truth is this, is that I have... there. Me being myself, there's more, more people contacting me for work than I can ha- handle. Yeah, right. And I have room for about... Packed for about 50 guitars in my shop. My shop's not tiny, but it's not huge. It's pretty big compared to... Yeah. For just a repair shop. Exactly. That could be a good whole guitar shop. But it's not big for guitar builder. Right. It's kind of just too small. It's not massively too small, but it's just too small. Right. So I'm kind of in this weird position where... The so repair, you build ukuleles, really cool yeah, ukuleles. Yeah, I there. It, it was kind of a pain in the ass, though, to do in that little shop. So, I mean, I have a lot of tools to do it, but, like... I don't have everything. I have other machines that are, aren't set up and aren't working that are like because I don't have room for them and I don't have anywhere to put them. Right. So and this takes up all your time anyway. I mean, you're, you're right. not even taking a new work. And I have yeah. more repair work than I can handle. So just now, I'm just trying to focus realistically, like honestly, at this moment, on all the work that I have, and I'm just trying to bring it in. And then from there, I'm just trying to, I think, going forward, focus more on trying to do. Jobs that like really are are more specialized that not not anything different than what I'm doing, but just sort of try to yeah do your thing work you know. that like you know it's really worth bringing to me. Like I'm not really good at anything except I'm pretty good at fixing guitars, right? And so work that is kind of like makes sense for me to do, right? Yeah, that's what winds up happening. Even in my even part like of the Chiho business, like become talked specialized. about it. Yeah, like Chio and I talked about it a while ago. He said like somebody. He said, what, why, why would I spend all this uh, more money for your telly? Right. And he's, when it's twice as much money. Right. And it's only 5% better. Right. And that's kind of like the deal. Right. Is that that little bit better, that that's what takes f- forever. That's what's hard. Right. And it's hard. Well, that's your things are better. You know, I've seen your repair. I've worked with a lot of repair guys. I've worked with and it's not guys like who do I'm, your job. Yeah, and I'm not. It's Other not, guys can do it, but you're really, really good at it. So all I'm trying to do for Horizon is just sort of focus on trying to continue to do that kind of work and be good at it and, and just sort of like uh, specialize, specialize a little bit more. Right, you, I mean, you do this. You know, like yeah. too many guys can do this. If possible. You know. Right. But yeah, it's I mean, a little tricky because at the same time I feel a bit... Um, because I walk into your place and you're working on a Strat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I feel... Right, and it might be like a 50s one, but it might be a new one. Right, I've seen, you know, I feel modern... Like, yeah. I nice guitar on your bench, I feel, you know, doing a setup, whatever, you know. At the same time, I always sort of feel like this, like, hey, I'm the local repair guy, too. Though. Right, you have to be that, right. Too. And I, and I, I want to be. 
Yeah, you don't want to just say, oh, your guitar isn't expensive. I'm not working on it. No, because the whole reason I got into it was that there was no local guitar. Right, player. you want to help the kid out. And I knew guitar I plays like move, shit. Right, <laughs> and I knew I could move back to Rockland because I was like, there's still no repair guy. Right. I can be the repair guy. Right, you, I was, as far as you know, I'm around, but we don't do, re, you know, like we kind of stop where you store. And then there's some of the stores around have repair guys, but they're, they seem to be not, well, I don't want to talk badly, but anybody around, because I'm sure they have good repair guys, but I don't really hear... You know, people having regular... It's just tricky. It's tricky. To, well, to I don't think people stay as long as those kind of stores. You know, they come and go. You know, like... It takes it takes a long time and a lot of a lot of time into... To do this, right? Being focused on the minutia of this shit. Well, that was my really my next question, which isn't on here. But, you know, like, I figure a lot of people who are going to be interested in this podcast are going to be interested in the fact that you are a luthier and a repair guy. So what, how, what would you... What would your advice be to people who, you know, who are young or even if they're old... Who would love to do what you're doing, and say, "Oh, I love guitars. I can kind of work on one." Like, how do I get to the point where I'm at? I'm a guy who has a place like Ironhorn Instruments where I could do this. Like, what would have you know? Say, you know, a 16 year old kid called you and said, "You know, I want to be what you're doing. I love guitars and I love working on things." Like, how would I go about having a career in that? Yeah, that's a good question. I would tell because um, we know you, you kind of answered. You'd say that you did it. But that doesn't necessarily work. You really have to want to do it. It's not really a job. If you want to just have a job, there's a million better jobs. <laughs> so much better. Yeah, like there's other so stuff I could better. sell you know, that you know, it may be easier yeah. to sell and make more money. But this is what I do. Yeah. I do the guitar thing. So like, and that's what I like. So I always like doing it. Yeah, it's never a drag. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't want to, you don't want to, it's, it's not like a high profile job at all. You know what I mean? It's not, no, it's, it's not like, terribly like, clever. You know, you know, still worrying about shipping every guitar and, right. where, you know, like, you know, it's, and, you know, it's, you know, I'm sure selling annuities or whatever, did you can make more money maybe, you, you know, like, right. I don't know because I've never sold them. But yeah, so if you're just trying to get a job, don't do this. Yeah, this is more like a lifestyle. Like most of my friends are in the guitar business. Right. So if you know, so, so like, you got a it's a group of dudes who do this. Yeah. And we love this and that's why if you go to a guitar you, show, it's mostly a bunch of dudes like us bullshitting about some guitar that's sitting there and having a great time. You really have to have get excited about it and have some kind of passion for it. And you have to it. put up with a lot of crap cuz you know like even my first jobs in the guitar business weren't didn't pay much. You should pay nothing. <laughs> you know, I'm psyched to have it. I yeah, like, I didn't. This is fucking awesome. Dude, I get to work for nothing. Yeah, man, I didn't talk about, but like the whole time I was in California, I also worked for this guy Jeff Trowett, who's a guitar builder, and it was awesome. I worked for him like it was a real part-time job, but it was really awesome because the full-time job at Santa Cruz was a little bit hard, and you were putting up. I'm not gonna like go into detail, but it was you know there was a lot to deal with. Yeah, and it was hard, and it was discouraging, especially being young, getting into it. Yeah, it's scary. You're dealing so, with expensive shit. So you really. <laughs> They have to, you know, you're going to, just like anything, I'm sure if you were trying to do some other job, there's going to be times where you're going to question, like, hey, I don't want to be a lawyer. Hey, I don't want right. to be I'm sure it's hard. In your first case, I don't you fuck it be, up. Right. Yeah, yeah, an anesthesiologist, I just killed whatever, you know, whatever the fuck happened. <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't want to be guitars, a <laughs> Everything has, yeah, and that's the one thing that's, no, that's the one thing that's true, though, that I remember is, like, at the end of the day, Hey, no one died. Right, it's just a guitar, man. It's I know, but but it's not. It's more than but that. But I made like, the mistake of saying that to somebody before, and they got all mad at me. So I'm real careful. With it. Yeah, they like you forget about that. You're like, oh, it's just a guitar. But like, no, it's not. It is. It's just a guitar. Right, it's a bunch of wood, but no, it's, it's not. well. Built, we wouldn't be here talking about it if it was just a piece of wood. 
No, these guys had it figured out pretty well how to make this, and you can still make this. And then somebody's got to fix this, and then that's where, and then someone's got to ultimately sell this. You know, and I play a lo- I play a lot of these old guitars fixed, and some of them are really are really good, and some of them are good. And then I play a lot of new guitars, and a lot of them really aren't good. But I play some new that I'm like, wow, this yeah. this sounds amazing. Well, this is what I was talking about. This is the golden era of guitars, really, because these still exist. That's what I mean. New stuff is being made that's great, and there's I, everything. There's cheap guitars that are great. They're I made overseas. They're great. Yeah. You, know, you can get a, a Yamaha guitar that sounds great for not that much money, which wasn't the case when I was growing up. A cheap guitar was awful, and it was unplayable, mm-hmm. and you had to get a lot of money to get a real guitar, and you just tried to learn on these shitty things that wouldn't tune. And now you can go to a guitar center for 100 bucks and get a really good Fender acoustic that sounds fine, and it plays in tune. And it's fun, right? You know, the, and you know, Mexican Fender guitars are fucking great. And a Their teenager can great. save, you know, if a teenager has a job like right, I did, for five hundred bucks, you, you can, can say, amp exactly. a guitar and be in a band, right? You can you save five hundred dollars if you were a teenager. You can get an Epiphone guitar and, and a Blackstar amp, and you are in business, and the yeah. stuff sounds good. Exactly. So it's like you don't need to have. I'm a vintage guitar guy. I love old gear, but you don't need that to be in a band. You prefer it, but you know, like you can get new stuff. I play all modern. Your band. All yeah. the stuff I have is is modern that I use. Right, because it's you know, like old stuff is tricky. I have. I old use old stuff. amps. I love them, but they're old. Yeah, I use a, <laughs> I use a modern <laughs> amp and a modern normal, very normal guitar. A lot of guitar builders do that. I know guitar you know builders who don't even have a guitar, or they have one guitar, and then they would sell it to you though if you could afford it. The majority, <laughs> just sell you their guitar. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a guitar to bring. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know that came up with Jeff in the first podcast. I was like, you know, most guitar builders don't have even their own guitar because like you sell it because you need to build more guitars. I have you know? one, but I didn't want to bring it. That was it. <laughs> but that does happen. And right? the rest are in purse. Well, and this guitar is mine. Right, technically, but you're going to sell it probably. Someone should buy it. Right, see, ten thousand. It's going to go. Yeah, ten thousand. in like in six months. Email me ten. No sooner. Ten thousand dollars. It'll be done in a week. (laughs) Exactly. So why don't we wrap this up? Um, If you want to know more about our uh, shop, it's mountaincatguitars.com. We hope you enjoy the podcast, and we really enjoy talking to Alex. And we'll have Alex back again because this is only our third podcast, and we're just kind of getting into our groove. But. I hope you enjoyed it. There's still a million things we could talk about. And we didn't even get that loose or funny. No, well, we're going to save that. So we'll have you back (laughs) again. You know, we didn't really get that high. They're going to think we're we're like these uptight assholes. Well, from the first ones to the later ones. But eventually we'll start doing them in the evening and we'll order a pizza. Then we'll really get loose. But we're trying to be semi-professional, right? Now, like we're bordering on professionals, we like to call it. But um, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. And to learn more about Alex's business, you can find him on the web at... At ironhorseinstruments.com and also at, um, but there's photos on Instagram, which I guess is just Instagram, Iron Horse Instruments. Yeah. However, you do a lot I don't of know how you find You're good on it, Instagram. I see yeah, my website is about five years old and not updated, but the photos are all on Instagram. And email me if you want to talk to me. Right, Alex Alex's business is a by appointment only business, and you have to yeah. email him. Alex at ironhorseinstruments.com. And if you want your old guitars restored, he's definitely the guy. He's in Orangeburg, New York, which is in Rockland County, which is where we are, which is just like 20 to 30 miles north of New York City. Yep. And I highly recommend Alex for all of your guitar repair needs. And Alex, it was great seeing you. Thanks. And great having you on the podcast. Thank you. And we will see you guys soon.